That's why I went and did the breath work before I went. And it's still not fully processed, but it definitely got a lot of it out. Mm -hmm. You carry all that stuff around. I mean, the heart rate variability thing, just to finish that off, I don't feel unwell. No, yeah, yeah. So if I wasn't tracking it with a mm -hmm. whoop, I'd be, be like, yeah, I'm back yeah. into it. Let's go do some hill sprints. Yeah, exactly. So underneath and inside the nervous mm -hmm. system, it's so complex, right? Like, yeah, yeah. we're carrying all this stuff around all the time, all this baggage. You've got to process it. Mm -hmm. The best way to process it is to talk about it mm -hmm. and to be open and honest about it. Mm -hmm. um, when I go to see the rhinos today, I'll be talking to them about being vulnerable as the strength. Brene Brown. <laughs> I've got everyone reading that book. So but listen, I was reading it in listen, I was reading that book uh, in bed the other night. Just the day after we, no, the day we did the podcast, it, it's what I'd said in the podcast yeah. is in the book. Yeah. It's just true. Mm -hmm. How psyched do you think Lauren would be if we got Brene Brown? Oh on my podcast? god, I absolutely love that. I was thinking that we could ask her about like jujitsu and stuff. Couldn't we? we could link. Does it. she do jits as well? No, but we could get her down. She's a Texan mate. She's yeah. down for a seminar. Yeah. Yeah. She's <laughs> you know that'd be good. Nice. All right. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the North Leeds Jits Podcast, where we discuss Brene Brown's Yay! books and sometimes talk about jujitsu. <laughs> um, this week, back on the show, Professor Mike. Hello, Coach Lauren Utley. Hey. Oh, Any weird noises for us today? No. <laughs> They've stopped now I'm back. Yeah, I know. I'm like... It's a much more professional. Sensible, yeah. I've been saying to people, Lauren was very sensible on the podcast uh, last week. Yeah, was... but it was a serious... Oh. It was more of a serious podcast, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I was well, a few people have said to like... me, it got a bit silly. Thank God you're back, Professor Mike. Oh, was... <laughs> Dave. I don't think it got really silly. I think um, we had a good time, but Having I think fun. it kept... Uh, Get them like a lot of good topics. Yeah. Um, they didn't. Say have you that, watched any of them? No one said that. <laughs> no, no one said it. Have you watched any of them? No, I was a bit tired up at the time. Yeah. <laughs> well, you got to catch what? up on the sweet. Yeah. Oh, sat just... on the boat. What do you mean? YouTube. Where were you got? I mean, what? It's only probably about six episodes. You got to catch up on. We were saying, wouldn't we? It'd have been funny to like have you streamed in live on one of them. Do you remember? Oh yeah, yeah. Then we we're going to get one of your face masks and put them up. And that didn't work. So. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not talk about that. All right, so unfortunately Tom Broughton couldn't make the podcast today, but he did give us some excellent topics to I discuss. feel like he's like a random addition to the podcast, like no one really knows who he is. He's the, what did the, the um, Dawson boys call him? A, a dunny. So it's a, just, uh, well, is it Donny? Donny. Donny. Yeah. He thought it was a doona, didn't he? Doona, something a donny, like that. I think. Yeah, some kid's like random slang dude term for a random dude. That's what they call Tom Brown. And then we, we were at uh, the Empire competition. And they were like, look, is that Donny? <laughs> it doesn't exist. <laughs> like, yeah, it's real. <laughs> then they saw him in the academy the other day. Like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope he gets better soon. Yeah. For sure. All right. Was there any, before we get into those questions, are there any updates, Mike? Yeah. Oh, yeah. How's your recovery How's going in general? Just talking about it, weren't we? So yeah. um, feeling pretty good on the outside, but on the inside, I'm pretty bad. My nervous system's still really shot to pieces. As a result, I think, we just discussed this off, offline, but as a result of the consistent, and, and I talked about it briefly in the last podcast, 
the kind of omnipresent level of stress for 46 days, 24 hours a day. That's mm. not normal. No. And, you know, you see people who, you know, without going on a boat in the middle of the ocean, who are stressed, they get ill. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I was Googling heart rate variability and how to improve it last night. And the numbers I'm kicking out when I said, what does this mean? And it basically said, catastrophic life failure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like illness or death. So that's a little bit concerning. To be fair, Google says that about everything, <laughs> doesn't it? Like I'm yeah. always Googling stuff and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to die. Cancer, yeah. <laughs> so I think I'll be fine and I'll definitely, like physically myself, my body is feeling better, sleeping better. It's just on the inside, I'm just not right. And I think it's going to take a long time mm-hmm. to get that parasympathetic nervous system to start to dominate again. Because at the minute, it's just underneath. Even though I don't feel it. Mm-hmm. But I can hear in my voice, like the, my voice sounds gravelly. And that's how my voice sounds before I get on stage to speak. Because mm-hmm. I'm anxious. Mm-hmm. But I'm just sat here. Mm-hmm. So I'm anxious inside for no reason. Yeah, like, It's a learned behaviour, I think. How's the Edo Portal 30 for 30 going? Good. I'm on day eight. 30 minutes a day, right? Being... Sat in a deep squat for 30 minutes a day. So I was doing sets of two minutes. Now I'm doing sets of two and a half minutes. I'm still kind of holding on to something to keep yeah, myself yeah. in a good position. Um, but my hips are definitely less painful doing it. My knees in full flexion are definitely less painful. It's just my ankle mobility has always been bad since the Marines when my after Afghanistan, my feet went flat because mm. of the angle and the weight we were carrying. And that affected my ankle mobility. So um, I'm in no rush. Mm. If it takes me a year mm. to sit in a deep squat and relax, so what? It mm-hmm. takes me 10. Trying to undo 42 years of movement, you ain't going to do it in a week yeah. or a month. It's going to take for a long time. So mm-hmm. it's been good, though. It's been good. And it's just one little goal that I can work on every day. Mm-hmm. I talk about goal setting all the time, don't I? Don't need to be anything huge. One little thing. I can get up and go, can I do that today? Mm-hmm. And make sure I do it. Nice. Lauren, are you smashing the gym out? No. <laughs> <laughs> I was meant to go. I was meant to go yesterday and I didn't. I was meant to go today. But Why I'm going to take go? the kids for a walk instead. Um, I just felt really, like, tired yesterday. And that's one thing I'm trying to get better at is just acknowledging that I'm tired and I don't have to do everything. Good decision, yeah. And it's, I used to find that really hard to just maybe sit and do nothing. But then I think, am I going the other way now? I'm just sitting reading all the time. It's like, no one bother me. Um, but yeah, that's something I've definitely tried to get better at is just not being lazy, but just acknowledging that maybe I'm doing too much. Well, let's definitely can gym. be more. Mm. I put a post on LinkedIn last week about that, um, about one, you know, and I think I said it in the last podcast, I was desperate for that one minute off. Mm-hmm. So now, I mean, I'm slipping back. Today's, I'm packed out. Yeah. Public speaking, meetings, coffees. With, but I will carve time out to do nothing. It's so important. Mm-hmm. I think you've got to do it. And I think that acknowledgement of how you feel, as long as you're honest and it's not mm. laziness creeping in, no. is really important. Mm-hmm. You don't need to. I was chatting to Lewis yesterday, Professor Lewis. And he, he won't mind me saying, you know, himself is in a point where he's not struggling, but life's challenging. Mm-hmm. But there's this societal and personal pressure to continue to try and achieve more. Yeah. And once we realise that actually you just got to be honest with who you are and where you want to be, sometimes taking the pressure off by not doing more is the best thing you can mm-hmm. 
So if you feel tired, you shouldn't be going to the gym. Mm -hmm. You should be sitting and reading a book. Mm -hmm. It's a good decision, man. Well done. What about you, yeah. What are you doing? You were doing curls yesterday, weren't you? I started, work, I started working out at 11am in the Riog room and I did my last set at half eight. <laughs> at night? <laughs> yeah. I was just kind of going back and forth, doing a bit of work, getting distracted, being like, I'll just take a little, quick, quick little bench, uh, bench set. And then feel pretty sore today. So I think it worked, you know, like didn't have to like carve out like an hour where I'm going to go like, right, I've got to go to David Lloyd and do all this and that and that. Kind of just hit a few sets during the day and that was quite nice actually. Mm -hmm. Um... See ya. I'm trying to go the other way. I'm I'm trying to have you read Deep Work by Cal Newport? No. It's a good book. Yes, I'm trying to go the other way and when I'm gonna do something, I'm gonna be ultra focused, present mm -hmm. and mean it, and then get the quality of work to be as high as possible in the shortest amount of time. Rather than grazing. So I would graze on my emails all day mm -hmm. and my Instagram and just on my phone. I just now it's like no. Check my emails twice a day for half an hour, done. Mm -hmm. And workouts, go in, set that time, do it, done. Mm -hmm. And then you can free time up yeah. to say, I'm going to go and lay down for half an hour. Yeah. I'm going to go read a book. And so I'm going the other way mm. for me because I value, I value more having the option to do not a lot mm -hmm. and see that as actually doing something. Yeah. Where before I'd be like, this is just laziness. Sat down reading a book at two in the afternoon. Yeah. Who the hell are you? <laughs> do you know what I mean? You can't do yeah. that. That's like, and it's, I was chatting to Lewis about it. It's success guilt. Like to be able to do that. Yeah. It's success guilt because mm -hmm. you're not in an office somewhere having to, you know, churn out output. Mm -hmm. um, but doing nothing absolutely is doing something. Mm -hmm. It's being kind to yourself. Mm. Yeah, I felt that in the last couple Sundays being like, my first like proper ones off in a while and then I've been like, right, what do I do? Like there should be some work yeah. to do and I'm yeah. thinking like, oh, there's not really that much to do actually. I'm like, okay, well uh guess I'll go for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> um that's, that's what I'm bad at doing though is I used to like even if I didn't have anything to do, I just find stuff to do. I just start randomly doing random chores or mm. like I just couldn't sit still. And Johnny'd be like and then I'd be whinging, I'm tired, I don't sit down all day. <laughs> so yeah, that's what I'm trying not to do. All right, should we talk some jits? Yeah. You got some sweet topics for us. Yeah, but I was going to ask. You said um, last about you want jujitsu to be more about having fun. But have you got any like goals for yourself for jujitsu? Because we talked about his goals, don't we, for jujitsu on one of our podcasts? Have you got any? Uh, I mean, I've got like a meta goal, which is just to keep enjoying it mm -hmm. and to just be on the mat. And, and not just about having fun, but like that has to be part of it. Mm -hmm. um, so just to, so my method goal for jujitsu is to come back, make sure my mobility is on point, make sure my body's well, and to really enjoy the process of doing jujitsu without any goals other than just enjoying it. There are little personal goals within that that are around specific positions mm -hmm. that I want to be better at. Um, I want to develop a really, really, really good close guard. And I've always gone in and out of my close guard and saw it as something I wanted to be really good at. I'm still down the path of it. I don't think I'll ever change, probably because of the era that I started my jiu-jitsu, where the, the fundamental, basic elements of jiu-jitsu, guard pass, close guard, great mount, great back game, is what I'm all about. 
And I want to, for our students, but also for me, to keep being that person rather than getting distracted and I want to learn flying this and flying that yeah, and the too. new thing. Well, that's, that's good for <laughs> no, you, man. I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. But for me, uh, my stage of jiu-jitsu, you know, I've been second degree this year, so I've been a black belt for six years. I'm more about refining mm-hmm. to the absolute limit of its potential, the fundamental movements and techniques of jiu-jitsu. I think that is, for me, what the art's about, rather than continually being distracted again by the new things going on. Mm. Um, so I think, yeah, come back, enjoy it, and just get really, really, really good at what I enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. Nice. Did you miss jiu-jitsu when you were rowing? Did you yeah, I miss it, man. I came and watched the, the training the other day, Monday. Yeah. Is that yesterday? Still got no time appreciation at <laughs> it's all. It's Wednesday. Yeah. It's Wednesday today. Um, yeah, and I was really, really wanting to get on. Yeah. But wanting to get on as a student, like I think I need to come back and take a GB1 class mm. to see if I can even move like that anymore. Yeah. Like I've not trained. Well, it'll be five months. Wow. So that's a long time to not mm. do anything, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but I'm really excited to come back, man. I'm really, really excited to to share the maps with people and to help people's journeys. I would notice in people doing stuff in your class, I'm like, I want to help. Mm. I want to just t- change that for you there. But I resisted the urge to mm. jump in. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what have you, you've normally got a topic. No, I was just relying on Tom's topics. His, his, to- <laughs> his topics are always way better than ours. Um, okay. So why don't we do that? How to measure your own progress in jujitsu? Can you measure your own progress? And if so, how? What do you think? That's a good question. I mean, we've got it just by the door there, haven't we? That you should be comparing yourself to who you were yesterday, not to someone else's uh-huh. today. So you should never be measuring progress on anything other than your own progress. Uh-huh. What I would say is I think it's quite hard... It depends which, there's lots of ways to do this. I think it's quite hard to measure technical progress early on because mm-hmm. you actually don't know what the technical level should be. Yeah. I think very early on in your um, jiu-jitsu journey, you can measure progress by your the way you feel after training. So if you're, as you will be, broken and sore in the day after training, if that becomes less and less and your body's adapting to being a jiu-jitsu player and that's good progress. Maybe you are here because you want to improve your fitness and, you know, you're struggling to get through the whole Gracie Barrel warm-up. One massive way to measure progress is to be able to get through that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, it's such, such a big question and I think it's, it's completely unique to everybody. Um, but you absolutely should be measuring your progress. But the only way to know if you've got goals to measure it against. Mm-hmm. So the back of your attendance card should have goals written down and you should be working towards those. If you don't know what your goal is, then you should seek out some help from an instructor um, because we can set you a goal, you know, set a goal with you. Mm-hmm. But you can't measure progress. That kind of famous quote of Seneca, isn't it? If a man knows not, not which port he sails to, no wind is favourable. You don't know if you're making progress unless you know which direction you're travelling. Mm-hmm. So I would say set some goals, three goals in your jiu-jitsu journey, and then tick them once off. But you can definitely measure it. I think uh, for your technical progress, 
happens quite slowly, so it's it's not something you're gonna see maybe kind of like kind of like if you're doing stuff in the gym, right? It's, you're not gonna see results overnight or in a week or two weeks, but you kind of always like I'm gonna tell the new students, especially when they first start live training, it's like. Oh, there's that quote about being like sometimes you're the hammer, sometimes you're the nail. It's like you're gonna be in the nail for a long time, but then you're gonna be a blue belt one day, and then there'll be that person that just starts live training, and you're like, oh, now I can do all these things that used to happen to me, mm-hmm. and that's like a, an interesting mark of progress because it's it's that whole thing about a blue belt should be able to uh, defend themselves against someone of similar size. I don't know what Helio thought a blue belt should be. That's like a real mark of progress because now you've you'll gain the confidence of, oh, I could actually defend myself against someone of similar size and some kind of grappling altercation. I think for actual, we were talking about the ownership you can take in your own training on the MOT. Mm-hmm. Like I think videoing your roles, I think that can be a really good way of marking your progress. You could, if you've done that for like one a week for a year, and you go back and watch, you know, your roles from a year ago to now, you should see like. A big difference between how you're reacting in positions and things like that. I think one of the main things is your training partners. You always need, you know, iron sharpens iron kind of thing. You're going to need that buddy that is there with you trying to get better at the same time and you bounce off of each other and, you know, you're showing each other little techniques and you'll kind of get better together and you'll be times when one of you is a bit better and that brings you up and then you get a bit better and then you bring them up. Mm-hmm. And that's a nice way of like tracking your progress as well. Like how how are you helping others and how uh, how are they helping you and how are you getting better together? Yeah, just to make me think about something there. I think actually when you're talking about measuring progress, we should you should be probably looking at really broad spectrum pieces rather than being, you know, how much better am I at doing a closed guard armbar than I was mm. this time last year? It's too specific. I would say that on being a good teammate, I would say movement's huge. So if you were going to look at your rollback, I wouldn't encourage you to look it back, look at it back from a technical perspective because perhaps you're not able to see it from that degree of mm-hmm. um, granularity that perhaps we'd be able to do. But how much more fluently are you moving? You know, what does your mm. movement pattern look like? That's something that we can always keep working on. Mm-hmm. Something I'm going to be working on a lot. Are you more relaxed? Are, are you more you relaxed? Yeah, how relaxed? Better. Like I said, yeah. how do you feel the next day? Yeah. Can you do six rounds? And the other thing I would say as well in terms of progress, don't discount just being more consistent. Yeah. It's been huge. Pro- so did you struggle to be consistent to come to training twice a week? But now you've come three times a week for six months. Mm-hmm. That's huge progress. You're going to naturally, as you just rightly put it, improve in lots of different areas that you won't necessarily see. So don't focus too narrowly on progress see it in big broad terms consistency of training physical feeling before and after before even were you super nervous mm. is your nervous system now deregulated mm. Mo- good movement being a better person and the rest just happens don't chase the technique don't chase the little nuances that comes like i was just saying when you've been training for 20 years and I'm chasing that beautiful, precise, easy close guard armbar that no one can defend against. Mm-hmm. You're not doing that at white belt and blue belt and purple belt. Similar to, I think, we say on the MOT as well, there's new students of a certain type will 
will want to try and know everything, like everything, every rule, every like etiquette, every like little bit of information that goes around the sport of jiu-jitsu. It's like, it's pretty unknowable to, there's still things about the rules that I learn. Like this year, I, I learned about, um, you know, different ways on the point scoring position. Like I've been training like five years now. Like if that person wants to try and learn every little bit of etiquette and rule um, in jiu-jitsu, it's going to be too overwhelming for them. So you got to like, like you're saying, it's almost via osmosis. It's just, you're on the mat and you're going to learn things as you go and you're going to get better as you go without really having to always be too switched on and focus about, you know, in this case, all right, I'm going to learn this thing every week or focus on this thing every week. There's a lot of jiu-jitsu just happens because you show up and you're consistent. Right. And so, and I was chatting to one of our newest students recently, who's a friend of ours. And I've not had a chance to speak to him because I've been away. They started whilst I was away. And for some people who are listening, perhaps you've not heard me say this stuff before, but like you've really got to enjoy the white belt journey because I mean, for me as your head instructor, there's no pressure on you whatsoever. Mm. You are shit at jiu-jitsu <laughs> and you're supposed to be shit at jiu-jitsu right now. So don't be trying to be in a rush to be great because you're not going to be great. Mm. It's going to take you years. So from the progress side, don't put so much pressure on yourself. Yeah. Just show up, have a massive smile on your face, be the best training partner you can be, be consistent, enjoy it, and the rest will happen. And also... Don't miss it on the goal side of things, as I talk about having broad goals, and I say broad goals, and I think what I mean by that is goals that take a long time to develop, and some movement, you're not going to change that in a month or six months or a year. It's going to take a long, long time. Having those goals which take years and years and years to accomplish are far more fulfilling mm. than I've just been doing this one technique over and over and over and over, and now I can do whatever triangle there is from spider guard it's the only thing you can do mm. it's the only thing you've been doing be broader mm. take your time relax come in show up for what jiu-jitsu really is and that is helping other people and helping yourself develop on a really broad scale and becoming a better person and all the other stuff just magically appears you'll be hitting that spider guard triangle before you even know it i think it's really important i think few things there it's like um when i think back i think the white belt stripes even though you're like so wanting to get that blue belt is actually the most fun stripes you get like they're the most enjoyable you get the most excited about them Mm. because you know it's new it's like a big mark of recognition between someone that's walked in on their first day of jiu-jitsu and now it's you're slightly different kind of thing and there's no pressure on you whereas like once you've got colored belts there's like more expectations on you obviously from not from is from other people and it's perceived. Uh, and then I also think, Tom, I made me think of a Tom DeBlas post he put out a while ago about white belts don't love jiu-jitsu, they kind of lust jiu-jitsu because real love is um, when you've already gone through hardship and bad times, like the start of a relationship where like everything's cool, like you're learning all about each other for the, you know, the first few months kind of thing. You don't love that person yet because you're not really been through anything together but then when you've been in it in the sport for a few years you go through your blue belt blues you go through like failing not feeling like you're progressing for a while you've gone through hard times and you make it through that and you eventually maybe one day get your black belt and stuff like that that's when you can say you love the sport um because you've stuck at it long enough where you really understand what it is 
and what it is you're doing, and then you can spend the rest of your life with it. But initially, you're in this kind of sexy, like, lust phase, yeah. where, like, yeah. everything's new, everything's exciting, a little bit of knowledge increases your knowledge 100%, you know. Um, yeah. So you can definitely measure progress, go back to the question. But don't rush. Mm-hmm. And don't be too detail-oriented. Mm-hmm. Cool. Oh, and if, you, if, you're, if you're unsure and you are a detail-oriented person who desperately wants to see progress, just come and talk to me or T. That's what we're here for, isn't it? For sure. And we can help you one-to-one. We can set goals for you. I'll set some goals for you. <laughs> no problem, am I? <laughs> you are rolling an ocean in no time. <laughs> One-legged. <laughs> One-legged ocean, right? Yeah. Uh, what you got else for us? Um, what can you do? What other kind of training can you do to assist your jiu-jitsu? Do you think there's other stuff you can be doing? For sure, yeah. Um, do you want to go first? Or want me to go first? You go first. I think there's. I think the biggest thing you can do is to assist your jiu-jitsu is, and whichever type of training this is for you, because it will vary for different people, is do a program that prevents you from getting injured. So that'll be mobility for some people, like getting better at end ranges. That's going to be strengthening type work for other people. For most people, it'll be a combination of both. But whatever can keep you on the mats the longest mm. will will benefit your jiu-jitsu because you're not going to get better at jiu-jitsu by getting your cardio better by hitting a six-mile um, every week or something like that. But if you can consistently stay on the mats due to lack of injury and lack of illness that will have a big impact on your jiu-jitsu. You're only going to get better at jiu-jitsu by doing jiu-jitsu, basically. And unfortunately, it's a combat sport. Yeah, I think that goes maybe into the next question we're talking about. Yeah. But you're going to pick up little knocks and stuff. And if you can minimise that as much as possible, then you'll your training time over the course of a year, and that might even just be when you're on the mat, lowering your intensity down so you are, are less likely to get an injury. Yeah your overall training time in that one given year will be vastly more than if you trained really hard, then get an injury every three months, have to take a month out, and then it's like stop and start, stop and start. Yeah. And you got to catch up where you were before and then it's like start again. Yeah. It's a bit of a bad cycle you can get into where I've been in it, where it's you get injured, so you train, so you get back onto the mat, you try to get back on the mat as quickly as you can. You want to make up for lost time, so you train as hard as you can. Yeah. And then because you've not even in like that level of conditioning for the training that you're doing, you then pick up an injury or an illness again, and then the cycle continues. Yeah. The word I would use, I, I wouldn't change anything what you've said, I think it's brilliant. The one word I would use is robustness. I think one thing that the Marines does is it makes you a really robust physical and mental being. And we'll talk about injuries in a minute. I've never had a bad injury in Jiu-Jitsu 20 years. Touch wood. <laughs> I, I don't see it happening. <laughs> I don't see it happening. Like an injury that's kept me off the mat for time. Yeah. It's not happened. Because I've approached jiu-jitsu in the right way, I believe. But also because I've just I've just got a robust body. Because I've pushed myself for many, many years before. If you're if you've not done that kind of training, starting now to complement your jiu-jitsu by making yourself injury proof is um or less likely to be injured is really important. We're probably not the best placed people to talk specifically about this, but we have probably the greatest collection of S&C coaches in our region, in our student base. 
you know, and I, I won't list them because I'll miss someone off. Hmm. But, you know, Johnny and Sam and Way and, and any of those people who've got years of experience conditioning athletes, ex-professional athletes, Ollie Goss, scientific background on that, you know, any of these people will give their time to help you if you need it. Mm-hmm. Speaking specifically about robustness, if we talk about the row, you said rowing an ocean one-legged. That's because I hurt my knee ligament on the first day or two. I was rowing one leg. One thing that really helps in a sport like jiu-jitsu or ocean rowing, where nothing is in a perfect plane, it's always slightly off kilter, or there's weight moving, is to have a really good ability to work unilaterally. So if you are going to train weights, you should definitely be doing one-legged stuff a lot. An anti-rotational work. So that's not sit-ups, that's banded presses, that's banded walkouts, that's chops. Anything that's going to move your core and brace against the rotational force is going to be massively important because that's exactly what happens Mm -hmm. all the time in jiu-jitsu. You're never pulled in a perfect line. You're always pulled off a line. Mm -hmm. So to be able to brace against that and it's going to keep you, you know, moving forward. So... Again, if you want more information on that, we can bring one of our students in or a number of them and we can talk for an hour about the best things to do. Mm-hmm. It depends what your focus is though, right? Like if your focus is to be better at jiu-jitsu, you've got to be on the map. Marcelo Garcia didn't do any strength training, but he was on the map seven days a week. Mm-hmm. And you can build a resilient and robust body for jiu-jitsu on the map. Mm-hmm. It's probably the best thing to do. Talking about the, the you know, the Edo Portal 1330, to be better at a deep squat, you need to sit in a deep squat. Mm. It's not banded stuff with your hips. It's getting to the position you want to be better at. And if you want to be better at jiu-jitsu and more resilient, you've got to do jiu-jitsu, man. Thank you. I think I think on the more, like, that's very, like, practical advice we've given. I think if we're going more, like, esoteric out there, I think for me, jiu-jitsu is like a philosophy expressed physically. So I think there, there are times, like, where I feel like my jiu-jitsu has improved because I've like read a book or I've like I've gone for a walk and I've really thought about my jiu-jitsu or I think like when Victor was here and and um, you guys were talking about jiu-jitsu and life and like I felt that podcast like in, you hearing you guys talk about it and thinking about the parallels of jiu-jitsu and the other things like deepened my understanding of jiu-jitsu. It's that Masashi quote of know the way broadly and you see it in all things. And uh, I think if you if you are if that question is on that kind of level, like what can you do to outside of jujitsu to help your jujitsu? I think if you are a student of have a you know keep that student mindset in everything that you do. You know, read philosophy, read you know, like fantasy books. You know, Brene Brown. Read Brene Brown. <laughs> She'll help you with the, with your Baron Bolo game. <laughs> um, I think there's lots you can do to become, ultimately we try to become better people on the mats and there's tons of things, you can know, I think your charity work is an expression of jiu-jitsu. I think um, if you go outside and pick up a bit of litter and try and make your community a better place, that's jiu-jitsu for me. Um, so I think there's a lot of things you can do around that as well. Nice. Yeah, my, some of my, I've said this before, but some of my best privates with Victor, we, I'd drive to Nottingham for two and a half hours and I'd sit on the mat with him for an hour. Mm. and just talk. Mm. Didn't do any jiu-jitsu. Mm. But I was building a relationship with him 
I was building an understanding of how he views jujitsu and all his knowledge. And that, that, that for me, you know, was time well spent, man. So surround yourself by good people. You're the average of the, you know, five people you spend the most amount of time with. And um, there'll be people, you know, when we started in the Marines, there was always guys you'd see in the unit or in the MOD when I worked there or anywhere in life. And you think, I'd like to be a bit more like that. Mm. Go spend time with them. Yeah. Turn yeah. up to the class that you know they turn up to. Send them a message on WhatsApp, dude. I really like the way you roll. I, I don't know you yet, but do you mind if I have a roll with you next time we're in? Can we grab a coffee? Like, our students will say yes to that. Mm. Um, yeah. We kind of crossed over to the next one, aren't we? But the injury. You can, yeah. Yeah. Do you think you can prevent you can injuries? You can train forever without getting injured. I think there's always... There's always the risk of injury. You can't take that away because it's a contact sport and sometimes crazy stuff happens. You fall a certain way, someone slips or... What do you think is the most common cause of injury, like reason for Weight falling on injured? weight, in my opinion. Like, it, when weight falls on weight, that's why stand-up, for instance, is probably the highest risk. That is where most injuries occur. Um, second to that, I would say people not tapping soon enough and trying to fight out submissions. Um, but you can absolutely go for, well, I'm proof of it. You can go for decades of training without taking any significant periods of time off the mat. If you've got a robust body, but more importantly, if you approach jiu-jitsu in the right way. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to, like, to categorise injuries. Like Danaha has a really good instructional that's for free and I'd recommend people pick it up. Um, although it's mainly geared towards instructors, I reckon. It's called like train safe, and he talks about like the biggest causes of injuries that he's seen in thirty years of teaching and stuff like that. And he kind of divides injuries into like three categories, I believe. But the ones we all think about, like catastrophic injury, mm. kind of like you know, you know, you Tanya Toshi, uh, and then someone like sits on your knee and he goes in and you turn your MCL, ACL, and you're out for a year, kind of thing, need surgery. And then there's the minor knocks and bumps and bruises that we all kind of have in jiu-jitsu and accept and just train through. So it's like, it's kind of like a cliche, you know, people ask you before you roll, you got any injuries or anything you want me to avoid kind of thing. And like, I would just say I've gone through like, you know, minor injuries, like done my wrists, broke a rib, but it's like nothing that's kept me off of the mats for a long time. Or look at Professor Khalil with his back that was messed up. Like, it's not a catastrophic injury where he has to like stay away. Like he still managed to find a way to work around injury, which I think's really important. I think a lot of people in jiu-jitsu, if they feel like it's, if I have any injury, you know, broken a toe or um, you have to stop everything. Whereas I feel like if you really want to stay on the mats, you can stay on the mats mm -hmm. with speak to your instructor, Speak to your training partners. You don't have to do every aspect of the whole class. Um, you can train around a lot of the the minor injuries that we get. And then there's just knocks and bumps that you're going to get. Yeah, if you've been doing spider guard all week, your fingers are probably going to hurt a little bit. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, your lower back might hurt a little bit if someone's been holding you in guard a lot. But well, they're not injuries, are they? They're, yeah, it's they're, like, they are part and parcel of partaking in the contact sport. Yeah. And they're yeah. life. That's they it. They get yeah. knocked. You can't give in. No. You've got to keep going through it. But you've got to know the difference, I think. And if you're unsure, again, we've got GPs, students. One thing I will 
guard against is if you do have a knock or a bump or an injury, if you go and see your normal GP, they will tell you to take six weeks off mm. and do nothing. Yeah, yeah. So I would, I'm not saying don't go to your doctor, yeah. but I'm saying if you want real advice about jujitsu, I wrote a blog on this, by the way, it's on our website about injuries in jujitsu. Um, so you can go and read that if you want more information, but just come speak to us. We can hook you up with someone who trained jiu-jitsu as a blue belt and a GP, mm. and he will give you the best advice. Yeah. Um, and you can look at that Danaher instructor as well. I, think I recommend it for most people just because you'll know how to train safe with your training partners, which will give you confidence that you, you know, knowledge dispels the kind of fear of potentially maybe accidentally injuring someone because you did something silly on the mats because you weren't educated enough to know what to not to do. Luckily, the rule sets that we provide in the academy anyway, okay, you're not going to jump guard until you're at least a blue belt and then only in competition team or um, certain takedowns we we don't allow and things like that. So, um, see, so yeah, I think it's fairly well set up to avoid any catastrophic injuries. Well, we, we put those parameters in place, don't we? So we always make sure that instructors are monitoring the map. Um, and it's why we always say, you know, eight out of 10, seven out of 10. Mm -hmm. That's partly for your own technical proficiency, but or to be able to, to have that skill acquisition, but it's also equally because we don't want it. If you're going 10 out of 10, mm. that's when injuries happen. Yeah. And they tend to happen more, of course, with people who are less experienced. So I can have my most intense roles with T or with Professor Lewis, Professor Khalil, never get injured. Mm. It's the safest role in the world and my most intense because those people move in a predictable, fluid well put together way and they are present while they're doing it. When you're rolling as a white belt with a white belt, it is violent, unpredictable mm. movement, which has the highest propensity for injury. So that's why in the academy, we're always trying to just put, and if one of us says, calm down, slow down, no, we're not being nasty to you, we're trying to protect you. Mm -hmm. It's like the MOT stuff we talked about around yeah, that comment around out, stand up training. Like, silly, so how come you don't let us stand up train mm -hmm. until we're three stripes? It's like, I don't even want to do stand up training with you when you're two stripes. <laughs> so, why do you want to do it with someone else that's two yeah. stripes? Like, I'm worried know. about that some, this person's going to injure me. So, you you should really be worried like, <laughs> if this person's going to injure you. But they don't notice, yeah. and that's the thing. Mm. You know, with greatest respect, you are unconsciously incompetent at that point you do not know and and it can be frustrating because you've got a little bit of knowledge and you have read loads of instructionals and you've got it all downloaded and you're looking ready to go you've got to defer to people who know best i had a conversation with someone yesterday who wants to row the ocean solo and um you know i'll say this well in fact duncan said this to me today my coach i'm probably the at the moment the best placed solo ocean row in the world to talk about ocean rowing with the way I've done it and because I've just come off the ocean, right? I surrounded myself with coaches straight away mm. and I had 20 years of physical training and achieving challenges and expeditions and operations. First thing I did, got an SNC coach to program me and got an ocean rowing coach mm. and then went and did some breath work with a breath work coach. Like you've got to default that decision-making to people like me and like you. You don't know better. If you're asking for stand-up training as a white belt, with the greatest respect, don't know what you're talking about. Mm. So allow us to guide you in that. And then you'll be safe and you'll be training forever. Some academies will let you. That don't mean they're right. No. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like uh, 
now with the more people doing the stand-up training, I feel safer than ever, you know, like, um, I know, especially with like Josh or Ollie, like we were doing the Nogi yesterday and didn't feel like any kind of silly takedowns were going ahead or anything like that. So I felt like super happy just to stay on the feet for a little while. And that's a nice feeling once we can all bring our levels up and not just for standing training, of course, for any other parts of jiu-jitsu where there might be like bigger risks of injury, like once that education around the whole academy like improves, then we all just train safer. And I think those are the two biggest aspects of like what we're trying to get. It's like keep everyone injury free and keep them having fun. And if you can do those two things, then you've got a great academy really. There's one way you can absolutely minimise injury as well. And it comes down to intensity. I'm not saying you should drop your intensity below, you know, whatever that level is, eight out of ten, seven out of ten. If you're doing it with a smile on your face, I guarantee you are way less likely to injure yourself and someone else because you are having fun. Mm. You are flowing, you're enjoying it, and you're there for what it is, which is the feeling of doing jiu-jitsu. If you're there with the mindset of you're trying to win, that's when problems happen. Mm. Now, in competition team, we might, we might ask you to do that. And certainly when you go and compete, you have to do that. But here, for 99.9% .9 of our students, 99.9% .9 of the time, you should be training with a massive smile on your face and just loving that you're doing something remarkable, which is challenging yourself, helping someone else, and being there for being there. That's what it's all about, man. Do that, safe as houses, for 20 years. One of the things on the robustness that I forgot to mention that um, was, uh, that's probably one of the things I'm most proud of about what we've done here is the robustness of the kids' comp team. Because, you know, these are kids that spent a couple of years in lockdown and then when we first started the comp team, you'll remember, it's like every, every week, every week yeah. it was like off the mats, <laughs> go see mum. You know, they've got a little knock, got a little, like a tiny little cut on the lip or something because they took mm. a little, and then their fingers hurt. And they had to like have words with them like, look guys, this is serious training, you know, it's, um, com it's a combat sport type thing. And eventually they kind of clicked with them and they like, they understood and they were like, and now they're just little monsters. You like throw them into a wall, like they're banging heads. You know, they're like, yeah, let's go. Go with face covered. Yeah, okay, you're like, oh yeah. They, but that's how you get to see those moments of courage. Mm. So, for instance, like we had two kids come out. Kobe being one of them, he got collar drags, like didn't like break fall, break oh, fall with his face. So and then, yeah, and his whole face was red. I could see his tears welling up. And like, I know if that was six months a year ago. Kobe probably would have stepped off the mats Definitely and been beefed, like, yeah. Never yeah. Going again. <laughs> but he just like fought for it, finished out his his round, shook his partner's hand, and like, and that was it. Like, see that that kind of courage and ability to go through adversity, and yeah, it's going to be tough, but we're going to just keep going. Um, I'm really proud of that. Well, self belief, man, and that's not just yeah. a physical self belief. That that translates to all aspects of your life, and again, you know, philosophically about jujitsu. We, we've talked about this forever, man. It is a mirror of you in the world when you're on that mat. Mm. You are naked. Everyone sees who you are. I don't, we don't care what car you turn up with. We don't care what job you've got, how big your house is, or the fact you, you're scraping together pennies to come here. We're all the same. And you get to see exactly who you are. And the adversity you go through on the mat only benefits every aspect of your life. Pulling yourself up off the mat is pulling yourself up off the floor when you've been sacked Mm. Or your partner's left you because that stuff happens. Or, you know, someone you love is really poorly. Mm. 
pulling yourself up, getting out of bed and getting on, on with it is what we're all about. And that's the that's the what you're teaching them. That is that is the real lesson in life. That you are more capable than you think you are. You can't you can't lose in life when you're like that. Because mm. life's tough, man. Life's gonna keep throwing you into a wall. We don't go throw kids into the walls. But you're gonna face plant, aren't you? You're gonna yeah. face plant. You're yeah. gonna fail. That is gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Let's see you stand back up again. Yeah. Dust yourself off and go again. Yeah. Me and Tom on about that one with what we've like taken from it off the mat. We oh, yeah. said that like we were saying when you're struggling with stuff because jujitsu is like I was saying it's one of those things where it's t- constantly up and down but you still want to do it which is a weird thing really so I was saying when you come up against stuff in life you realise that you can like ride it out and mm. it's a word of the week isn't it growth mindset it's mm. like it's going to be a tough time you're not going to be good at it and you're going to fail but you're going to keep keep sticking with it mm. until you eventually get get to where you want to be with it. It's probably the hard, I mean, for most people, most of the time, coming to training is probably the hardest thing they do in the week. Mm. You might not see it as that. Probably is. Probably ask the most of you I in think most aspects. I said at a couple of end of class classes, like just like, I think it was Saturday morning I was in, I was saying like, be really proud of yourself because for a Saturday morning, you're going to have to find a really big radius before you mm. find people that were doing things that were harder than what you were doing this morning. Correct. There might be people doing equally as hard things um, but I've done some pretty difficult things and, you know, putting, showing up to, you know, we, we don't think about it now, but the fear of the person coming in for their first class and then putting your like ego on the line, cause someone's going to try and tap you out. And then the physical aspect of it and the learning aspect of it. I mean, when you put all these things together, it might only just be for us, it's a GB one class. It's like the most fundamental thing, but for, for a person off the street to try and do that is is equally, I think it's equally as hard as anyone doing a hard striking class. I think it's any, equally as hard as someone going out into the Dales and doing a long uh, bike ride. I think it's equally as hard as anyone going out and hitting a heavy CrossFit session, any, any of those kind of things. So be really proud of the difficulties that you go through in Jiu-Jitsu, both mentally and physically, I think. Yeah, well. All right. I've run out of topics. <laughs> It's okay, we've hit 45, 46 minutes already. So we'll Should we just say then what's coming next? Because mm. I think that's important, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, for sure. Um, there are more and more academies springing up in Leeds, so I know of two now. There was one, so Professor Stefan, I've learned, is maybe going and starting something. And I've just bumped into Liam Can from Scramble. Uh, I didn't have a lot to say to him, you'll be surprised to hear. Um, but he's um, splitting from Scramble and starting something at Seacroft, mm. right next to JD and Premier Martial Arts. Uh, Ultra Flex and some MMA thing. Oh, I heard about that. There's going to be more and more Jiu-Jitsu, which is only a good thing. Um, you know, we're happy about that and we wish everybody who goes off on their own journey in Jiu-Jitsu good luck. Um, there's going to be more and more choice for people. So, you know, if this is the first place you've ever trained, you're lucky to be training somewhere like this. Mm-hmm. I know that. Not just because it's my academy, our academy, because I've, played, I've trained hundreds of places all over the world. This is unique. Uh, but if you're unsure, go train. Go train somewhere else. Come, come tell us how, how much you enjoy coming back here. Mm. We're going to be doing a lot in terms of the schedule. Um, we're trying to put on a lunchtime class every day. We're considering putting new classes on a Thursday night. Um, so even more value. I'm obviously coming back into 
the business and that's hopefully exciting for a lot of people. Um, so lots going on, the GBF, hopefully some outreach, outreach stuff for women, we want to do some more for mm -hmm. that. And uh, the future's bright at GBRL, man. Absolutely, exciting year. Um, okay, well, thank you, Professor Mike. Thank you, man. Thank, thank you, Lauren. And until next week. <laughs>